So you're familiar, we've been emailing a little back and forth of the document um, that was leaked by the CCP, Chinese Minister Wei Feng. Basically, it's about their strategy to get rid of the people here on America using biological genetic weapons to get rid of the people here in America and then recolonize America with the Chinese. Are you familiar with that article or with that? Oh, yeah, I read it. Okay, so. I read it, and, and uh, yeah, so very, quite long actually, and yeah, and they're 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 doing that. I mean, they're executing the mission right now. So, to the people here in Utah, that especially where our governor, you know, who is very much involved with World Economic Forum and pushing smart cities, uh, supposedly we're, we we are actually slated to be have the first smart city in America right here in Utah, and it's called the Point, and we've got uh, Utah City in uh, uh, where is that? Vineyard. Uh, in Vineyard will be one of the second ones. Just to the south. So we, we're very, we've got a governor who's very embedded with the World Economic Forum, which is why they're pushing Utah as a, as a sanctuary state, saying we welcome everybody, opening our doors to, to people who are, and, and allowing these criminals to be let free. So why should the people in Utah be concerned then about this? They're coming to kill you. They're not, they're not coming to take votes. A lot of people are like, hey, these guys are coming to bring Democrat votes. They don't care about that. This is way beyond that, right? This is a literal genocide unfolding. They're setting conditions for genocide. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again with rockin' Tom Hazelton. What's up, brother? Let's go, buddy. Uh, I am pumped today. Uh, last time we had a show, we had uh, Lieutenant Curl, Colonel Darren Gobb on, and it was lights out. And uh, he said, hey, you know who you guys got to talk to is, is uh, Michael Yan. Yeah. And we're like, no way, because I've been a huge, huge fan of Michael Yan. So I watched, learned about when he interviewed with Jordan Peterson uh, with the Dutch farmers, and I just started following him ever since then. And 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 I'm like, are you, can, are you willing to connect us? And he's like, I will. So we're like, no way. So spoiler alert, we got him. We got him today, <laughs> uh, and it's going to be an epic show. I'm going to have Tom introduce him in a second, but we are going to be talking about China today. And last time we really got into China, uh, they especially we're talking about one of the things we're going to talk about today. They took us down off YouTube. So please make sure you're following us on Rumble. In our channels, we are the people UT because I have a strong feeling YouTube will take this down. And on that note, uh, we're not here to, to, to profit. We're here to stand up and, and be the tip of the spear in information warfare. And because of that, we will say what needs to be said and YouTube will continue to give us strikes and continue to make sure that they that we are natively funded that way. The way you can help, go to our website, whether it's our energy drink, shirts, hats, you can support us that way and help us continue to get this information out. Now, that out of the way, let's freaking rock and roll. Give us our intro of, uh, of Michael Yan and let's go. All right, excited to have uh, Michael Yan on today. Let me tell you guys a little bit about this, uh, this amazing individual that's out there uh, fighting this war. And you guys, he's not just talking about it. He's actually out in the streets, out in the different countries. I mean, he's, he's tracking these things down. So let me, a little background. So at 19, Michael Young successfully completed the Green Beret training. Uh, that right there, that's, that's a big deal. So his experience taught him the art of uh, observing, sur surviving the most dangerous environments on earth, combining his skills as a writer and photographer. And with the encouragement of fellow veterans, Michael began his correspondent career by traveling to Iraq in December 2004. So this has been, you know, 20 years roughly of, of this. 
This was the first step in nearly a 20-year journey, traveling the globe to report on world events uh, firsthand. He traveled to more than 80 countries, including China, India, uh, Bhutan, and Vietnam. So, you know, Michael wanted me to tell you guys that uh, he, he's not just a war correspondent like uh, Geraldo. Right. Okay? Right. He's a combat uh, correspondent. So, and if you know the difference, this is, there, there's a very big, uh, a distinct uh, difference there. And, and what he does is he travels to the different countries and he tracks uh, basically the art of war of what's happening with these other countries that are infiltrating really for the United States, food supplies, migration flow, uh, all the information and, uh, and his experience, not just with the, the journalism and, and everything else that he has, he has more combat experience than any other journalist and, uh, you know, and it's not just, you know, we are the people that he's been on. Guys, he's been on Fox. <laughs> he's been on Newsmax, ABC, NBC, CNN. I think they Every. kicked him off. He's written six books. Three of those books were actually written in, in uh, Japanese to help the Japanese understand what China is trying to do to uh, infiltrate and take over um, the Japanese uh, culture, government, those types of things. And, and really just a lot of the Asian, uh, a lot of the Asian countries, they're, they're really being dominated right now by by china and they don't understand what it is so we're going to get into a lot of that today but really excited to have michael on with us and uh he is a uh he's a kick butt uh correspondent on the ground here and he's doing some things that uh hey guys we, we need to know about this and i'll tell you what if this show doesn't grab your attention i don't know what will let's no, go no this this is like i said michael it's, it is honestly an absolute pleasure um to have you on and, and for our for all of our listeners i know mostly utah based uh, what a blessing to have someone who is at the, there is no one who's going to understand what is happening in, in the current warfare, which we are in, we are in war. Then Michael Leon, he is there. He's in Guatemala right now. He's been in Panama. He is documenting everything. When um, War Room, Steve Bannon ha- wants to know what's going on, this is who they call. So without further ado, Michael Leon, welcome to the show, boss. I really appreciate your inviting me on. I'm in Guatemala of all places. It's actually pretty nice actually and uh, it's actually kind of cool um the uh we're at almost what almost five thousand feet up here volcanoes out the window uh and uh but this is one of the main migration routes right or let's say invasion route uh so when you have people funneling in through south america going up to the daring gap through colombia and you know through panama at that point costa rica nicaragua and then they go through honduras and then they end up here through guatemala then they go into mexico so this is a big funnel uh, choke point. That's why I'm here. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. The re- one of the reasons, I was ex- ex- especially I'm interested in what's going on down there, is as you know, we've had an ICE agent basically say that uh, Utah has been acting as a sanctuary state, uh, that they are being told on the other side of the border, go to Utah, you will not be deported. Um, and so what happened? what's happening at the border is a, a national security issue, and it is to, it is a it is a security issue to, to those of us in Utah because we know that there are many of them who are coming to our backyard. And so I think it's important that the people here in Utah be able to have a, a uh, hear from you on the ground what's going on and, what's, and why they should be concerned. So with that being said, uh, what are you seeing? What are you concerned about? Why are you down there? Um, t- tell, tell, tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what you're concerned about. Well, this is a hybrid war. I mean, we're in a state of war. Uh, It hasn't gone into very serious kinetics yet, but it will. Uh, And that's why I'm here. You know, if I come to your state, like I've set up shop in Texas, uh, and a lot of the Texans are like, hey, wow, you're moving to our town. And I'm like, if I'm moving to your town, you should probably be selling your property. And I'm dead serious. Uh, You know, uh, for instance, Panama, where I spend so much time, 
I've been warning people there ever since Biden got into office that Panama is scheduled for the meat cleaver. Uh, Panama is one of the most vital trains on planet Earth. Uh, it's, uh, there's almost nowhere on Earth that's more important than Panama. And almost no Americans seem to know that. There's the Panama Canal, which is vital. And then, I mean, it's, an, it's incredibly important. And then there, it opened in 1914. And then there's the, the Darien Gap, the funnel, where if you can get your feet anywhere into South America from anywhere in the world, and there's flights every day, for instance, they go from Africa to Istanbul to Bogota, and then they get on buses and go through the Darien Gap. So every day you got flights coming in from Africa and different routes. Some go to Brazil. Some Anyway, but bottom line is they all feed up to Colombia, many feed up to Colombia. Some will fly out of Colombia, actually, and they'll go through the Darien Gap, right? And the Darien Gap is that gap. They call it the gap because there's about 60 miles of no road. It's just pretty epic jungle down there. And so, and so the, the, the road ends at a place called Yavita in Panama, and it's Pan American Highway, and it picks up again in Colombia, a place called Turbo. But that, you know, that series of highways goes all the way up to Alaska and all the way to Tierra del Fuego, except for that gap. So you got these people walking through the gap every day now. When I started going down there and right after the elect, right after the, let's say, the installation of uh, Biden, uh, you could see that there was only like maybe 200 people a day coming through, right? It was a low number. And I've got a lot of the records because they were writing it down in, in logbooks at that point. And I asked people for photos of their logbooks. And at that time, so let's say April of 2021, I was looking at those some of those sheets recently. You can see that it would be like, you know, they, they would list handwritten all the different countries that are coming. They were mostly Cubans and Haitians. And then there were, you know, Suriname, things like that. Uh, there were people from Senegal and, and Nigeria and Niger and all these different places and China. But China... They would always have China on every page, every day, but usually it would be zero, China, zero. Some days it would be like China one, China four, China three, China zero, you know, that sort of thing. So that was just April of 2021, right? Now let's hyperspace to now. I mean, it's, I would say probably 400 Chinese a day just through that route, a day, a day, just through that route. That's just that route. So you've got entire an entire ecosystem within an ecosystem for the Chinese. They tend to fly to Quito, Ecuador, and there's specific hotels that they stay in. Muckraker, uh, Anthony Rubin, actually, uh, who I took to the Darien Gap, he picked up a, a document in Mandarin uh, from one of the Chinese migrants who get, or alien who, who gave it to him, let's say, in Bader, and, and it was in Mandarin language. Uh, Anthony Rubin got this translated to English, and then he flew back down to Quito, Ecuador, and started staying in the hotels that were written in, because that document told Chinese or tells Chinese exactly how to get through and get to the United States, which numbers to call, which hotels to stay in, which roads, which trains, whichever, right? It's like a lonely planet for Chinese invaders, right? And so, uh, and, 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 and in fact, that's on muckraker.com, that, that document. So if you want to read it in English, it's there and you can see, you can find out a, a lot. And so you might find something in there about Utah as an example. So anyway, so Anthony went down there and he started staying in those hotels. And the hotel, entire hotels are filled with Chinese now. So not only are the Chinese using that as an underground railroad to get to the United States, a lot of them are sticking to the pipes because you got to keep in mind, China is making a go at places like uh, Peru, uh, Ecuador, of course, Colombia, Venezuela. You see this war about to kick up with uh with uh, Venezuela and, and Guyana, or as Americans say, or we say, uh, Guyana. But there's a, a war is about to kick off there, and I'm just about guarantee it's actually going to kick off. In fact, I don't know if this is published, but the, 
the Venezuelans are actually making drones and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if that's in the news at all, but they're making homemade drones there with the help of Russians. And so, because, you know, the Russians and CCP are very closely related there with uh, Venezuela. There's a lot of Hamas in Venezuela. There's actually an area of Syria where they speak Spanish, and they speak Spanish in Syria because they many of those people have come over to Venezuela and other places for generations, and a lot of them have bounced back to places like Syria where they speak Spanish. It's just it's just weird things that you pick up along the way. But go ahead, sir. Quick, quick question. Um, so if we're 400 a day, and we've been doing this for two years, that's roughly 300,000 that are coming up through our border of just Chinese, just Chinese. Oh, and hold on. Hold on. That's just Darien. That, that that's doesn't just that include. Gap. That's just yeah, that gap, right? There's light. Yeah. They're coming up on the beaches of Florida and over the Northern. And they're also coming on, they're also flying in and overstaying visas. And, and also a lot of them fly to Mexico city or Cancun or here in Guatemala and they proceed from here. So they don't even go through the gap. They bypass it. Somehow. So two part question then. So how many would you say Chinese nationalists have come over here? Number one in the last two years since the Biden administration took over, and then what are the what are the ages of these men, and are there women and children coming at all? There are women and children coming, definitely, uh, but they're mostly military age males. And for instance, I think maybe one of the videos that I sent you uh, is uh, you can see them talking about drinking chicken blood. Uh, yes. Six military age males came through. Here we are, the famous Kenose again. <laughs> what happened? So so. Wait, she's gonna come. Hold on. Did you order? Did you order, Michael? Yeah, I ordered Yo. eggs. Lo, lo, lo de de siempre. I, I heard the China want to eat your dog. Estaba diciendo que los chinos estaban mediendo su perro que estaba. Es verdad. They were joking. They were joking with her. They were joking with her. No, but they not. were looking at no, her. They're, yeah. they're not joking. Él dice, cuidado con ese perro. Los chinos lo van a comer. Yo, yo, tell her I was one year in China. Él vivió en China un año y sí comen los perros como como es muy normal. Es todo normal. Y este perro muy jugoso y grande. Ay, no. <laughs> so, so Margarita came to me the other night and she started telling me, yeah, there were six Chinese migrants staying here and they, they threw an app. They came and they translate and they said, we want to buy one of your chickens because there's chickens walking around everywhere here. And she's like, all right, this is strange. But she, and she's like, OK, I'll sell you the chicken. And so they took the chicken. She has a chopping block back there and they cut off his head and they poured the blood into six little cups and they all drank it and like right out of the chicken and she was like oh my gosh watching this whole thing and then they took the chicken they took off the feathers and they took the whole chicken and they put it they went into her kitchen and they put it in a water pot, pot with just water and they poached it for 30 minutes only and they took it out and she watched him just eat this thing and it was still kind of rubbery and raw and she just she said it was just horrifying <laughs> I, I don't know um anyway yeah so she's seen some interesting stuff coming through her restaurant here through the darien gap <laughs> yeah yeah crazy story
<laughs> and they wanted to eat her dog. Wow. Okay. So, all right. So we just saw the video. It, it's it's crazy. These, these basically these Chinese talking about. Or this, this, oh, tell, so tell us what, what what was that? What was going on there with that lady and, and uh, these guys drinking these Chinese these chicken blood? What was that all about? So, tell so us that's about a that. one star hotel. That, that's a one star hotel called Tenose down in the Darien in Darien Province. So as they the, the survivors who make it through the Darien Gap. Some will stay in that hotel. Very few, but the Chinese sometimes stay in there. So I stay there, right? And it's a good place to pick up information, right? It's right beside one of the camps that Mayorkas has been to twice. I call it China Camp. The, the Panamanians call it San Vicente Camp, right? That's right beside the Tenose Hotel. Those six Chinese came in. You see on the video where the lady actually, uh, Margarita is her name. And she's describing uh, how they came in and asked for the chicken. There's always chickens running around there. I've eaten a bunch of them. And, 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 and they wanted it, they chopped its head off and drank its blood. And so immediately I thought, whoa, okay, that sounds like special operations guys. Cause I've seen this in different countries, like Thailand, different countries where they'll do things like Thailand, they'll drink cobra blood, that sort of thing. And it's, and so I, I, I asked for a statement on that. So bottom line is that just, and so as we researched it more, we found that is a ritual that some of their special operations forces do in China. So I just keyed in on that because this is sort of my job, right? And so, you know, we've, we picked up a lot of information around there. And, um, and uh, you see Chinese have different ecosystems. Like I said, like a lot of the, uh, the Chinese will go straight to Brooklyn, New York, like the Fujianese speakers. And they go to different places. Like, uh, I've, you know, I took two Chinese down there with me one time. One was a Cantonese speaker. One was a Mandarin speaker. And after we spoke with about 50 Chinese on that trip, none, none of the aliens coming through spoke Cantonese. They all spoke Fujianese or Mandarin or some other dialect, but none were Cantonese speakers. And it's interesting, though, because the, the where are they all coming from and how many are in America, you ask? And I don't know. We, I mean, we, we wonder that every day. We kick it around with people who should know. but uh, And they could know. They could know by tracking different sorts of, uh, sorts of phone data. We, we know, for instance, um, one guy that we, we intercepted coming through the gap one night, Often when you're questioning people, the best time to question them is at nighttime when they're tired, especially if they're alone. And we uh, separated one off at, at nighttime. His name was Lushan Zhao, right? It turned out he got very angry with Masako Ganaha, a Japanese journalist who actually is right here. Uh, we're, we're actually running around investigating things here together. And actually, um, uh, Masako Ganaha is the one that tracked down uh, Klaus Schwab and Davos last year that went viral. But anyway, so we're out there in the jungle, or not in the jungle, we're on the edge, we're in the Darien province. Not in, they, so these Chinese just came out of the jungle. And one got very angry at Masako because he saw her filming with her phone. And he was threatening, actually. And he came down. That's a good time. If you can calm somebody down when they're in that emotional state, it was nighttime. He was itching. He was scratching a lot. I think he had just been eaten up by these bugs called monongoy, is what the uh, Indians call them. And they're terrible. Anyway, he was in an emotional state, very angry. So I thought, well, this is it. Nighttime, we got him calmed down. It was kind of difficult. And he started rambling on about a story. And, uh, and uh, so for about an hour and a half, we got you know, video and uh, some video, mostly audio of his, what he said. So he, he was leaking. He said that he, his English was extremely good. And he said that he had gone to uh, Bahamas. And as you know, there's a giant Chinese embassy in Bahamas, a huge embassy. And he said he bought a boat from a Scotsman and he was heading to Florida and he ran out of, he said he was with his father and he said he ran out of fuel. So that was, um, was that this year? I think that was Masaka. Was that this year? 
when when did we find Lushan? Was that this year or last year? Anyway, well, she's a, she's sitting over here, but, but the bottom line is, is um um yeah. So Lushan said that he ran out of fuel, and the U.S. Coast Guard picked him up, and he got sent back to the Bahamas, right? And they were deporting him back to China, but he flew through Cuba. He changed his flight to Quito, Ecuador, and then he took that route, and we intercepted him as he came out came out of the jungle. Now I checked my sources. He had been picked up by the Coast Guard. That was a fact. We actually got one of his IDs from China and all kinds of other stuff. That guy's a straight-up spy. I mean, he was like his English was very good. His body language was almost American. You know, they have a China, they have a, an American town in China where they train some of these spies, right? And they have American post office and the whole works. I mean, you'll have, I mean, it's like a it's not an American town, but it's you know it's it's uh, it has um, you know people that are speaking. Uh, just like we speak with no accent and you learn how to do everything. So you've got a lot of the people that are coming in that are clearly like family units. You got others that are coming in that are probably running from the law or something. They might not have been in China for 10 years. Maybe they were living in Thailand or something. And then you've got others coming in that are probably MSS or, 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 or something along those lines, Ministry of State Security, which is like their CIA, right? And then they have, you know, different, uh, anyway, go ahead. Sir. Well, you were no, going to say something? No, there? no, I actually wasn't, but, but, but one question I do have, and I get from a lot of people, because I, I, I have a lot of political conversations with people all the time, and when we talk about the border, a lot of people say, well, you know, these people are just coming up because they need, they're looking for jobs, they're looking for opportunity. Is, is that what's going on? What, what would you say to these people who say that we, we need to allow these people in, we shouldn't be concerned, these people are just looking for a better life? Well, okay, as an example, I'm in Guatemala, and there's a Walmart down the street, okay? <laughs> and there's a Starbucks around the corner. Right. In fact, I just walked by the Starbucks coming here to talk with you. Right. So, I mean, this is so is this really that poor? I mean, when you go, well, I was just in Belize a couple of weeks ago researching some of these issues up there. When you cross the border into Mexico from Belize, the first big store you come to is a Sam's. And I stopped there to get an SD card and I didn't have a Sam's card. And it was going to be like 100 bucks. So we're like, forget it. So we went to Walmart and got it. So this is right across the border into Mexico from Belize. These are nice places. You know, you're, to get here, you have to go through places like Quito, Ecuador. There's Americans that go down there and buy homes. You know what I mean? And Colombia, the same thing. One guy I was in the war with in Iraq, in, uh, in Mosul, he, he lives down in Bogota now. And he lo- or no, he lives in Medellin now. And he loves it down there. So, I mean, so people come, you know, there's a lot of Americans that go down to these countries and they live there because it's so nice. But you have all these aliens coming through because they're being – we're, we're feeding the ducks. If you want more ducks, throw more corn on the ground. The United States is clearly facilitating our own invasion. And the World Economic Forum and the Chinese Communist Party have clearly captured parts of our government. If you look, if you go to some of those camps in the Darien Gap, as an example, which I've been to all of them, all right? And some of those have our flag flying in them, not on a flagpole, but they're, and I photographed them. I may have sent some of those to you. If not, I'll send them to you. And you can see, like, Mayorkas landed there on April 18th, of 2022. I waited for him for four days. You know, a, a congressman told me that he thought Mayorkas was heading down there. So I said, oh, so I went and I waited. And I thought, well, if he comes, I bet he'll land with Blackhawks here. And I waited for four days. And he did. Landed right in front of me with four Blackhawks. So he went into that camp called China Camp, right beside the Tenose Hotel, where the guys drink the blood. And he came into that camp. And, and they, they published this. You can see that Mayorkas is there. They got the sand table out. These are photos that you can find online in like 30 seconds that they published, that the Homeland Security guys published. So they, 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 uh, Mayorkas was coming down there to expand the camps, and he was open about it, right? 
So now I've got drone footage of that day when he's in the camp, and I've got drone footage of the a year later, which is this year, multiple uh, times. And you can see the camp is much, much larger. That's just one camp. There's other camps now that are much larger too. It's clear that the infrastructure in the Darien Gap is being expanded by multiples. So when I've gone on Alex Jones and talked with him, in fact, I was just talking with him about it today. When those, when those, when those camps, I'm telling you, dry season is starting right now, right? The, the flows to the Darien Gap are likely to probably double or so. Keep in mind, let's rewind the tapes just to like April or so of 2021 when it would be like maybe 200 a day coming in. Big day, 300 came in today or whatever, right? Now now it's like 5,000, 6,000. And the Costa Rican president and the Panamanian president were down there on October 6th. We were there as well. And they announced they're going from 60 buses to 200, right? These are buses that pick them up after they cross the Darien Gap. So they're now in Darien province. And they would take them to the Costa Rican border, and then they would have to get on other transportation to go to the Nicaraguan border. But now the Costa Rican president and the Nicaraguan president, I'm sorry, and the Panamanian president, the Costa Rican and Panamanian president down in Darien at a camp called Las Blancas. In fact, they built three LZs there for helicopters, which weren't there before. They suddenly built three LZs where the presidents landed and that sort of thing. And they announced this, right? You know, you see that the, the hyperlapse I sent you of the the time lapse of all the aliens getting off the boat. Yeah, yeah, just boat that after was, boat. That was that was that that was where the presidents were. However, on the day that they came, nobody was coming in. Right. Anyway. So there was a few. There was a token number came. Michael, so you've got so you've got these uh, these different presidencies from from these countries that are all working in cooperation. They're obviously taking money from probably the WEF, the CCP, to, to have these things. And they say, yeah, you come through our country, you'll build up our economy, and we don't care. It sounds like. And the question I have um, as a follow up on this is: when they get to the United States, I know they're going all over the place. Where are they staying, and who is funding this? What, what do you know about that once they leave the, the Mexican border and come here? And then obviously at that point, are, are they are they coming and, and joining society as a normal person would be or somebody that's that's in the workforce? And then, okay, now it's time. And then all of a sudden, like uh, on the movie iRobot, where they where they go from green to red or whatever, and then they, they become nefarious. Is that what's happening here? What's the end goal? Some are clear gangsters like MS-13 or whatever, right? Like, you know, AK-47 tattoo next to the eye, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? I published one guy this year a few months ago, and he's like, you know, talk, you can tell he's a super gangster, right? So a lot of them are like that. Uh, many guys, when we ask them where they're going to, they're like, I don't know, you know, they'll be like California, New York. Everybody knows the name New York. They'll just throw names out. Haitians will often be actually heading to Florida uh, or um, – Cubans often go to Florida uh, or New York, that sort of thing. But a lot of them actually don't know where they're going. And others, there's different ecosystems of people that are coming in. Even the sub-ecosystem, let's say the Chinese, uh, most of those will go to their Chinese communities, like whether it's in some part of New York, Flushing, New York, or Brooklyn, or somewhere in California, and they'll get plugged right in. Like you have these marijuana farms in all over Oklahoma now and Maine and in Oregon that many of them are run by Chinese. They're literally going straight to these farms. So you got those types coming in and then you've got others. When you meet them, you're like, this guy's like a paramilitary or something. I mean, you know, I meet some of them. I'm like, this is not a normal dude. This is like some kind of operative. I mean, they're, they're clearly, they, they come through, they're in much better. Actually, almost all the Chinese that come through are in far better condition than anybody else. First of all, they pay a lot more money. They pay a lot more money. They pay about 20000 Most of them will say about $20,000 by the time they uh, get to Quito 
go through Columbia, get through the Darien. They take an easier route to the Darien Gap, right? So they take a route that takes a boat ride around into this place called Cunayala with the Kuna Indians. And they'll take a, about a two-day walk through the jungle and on that route. I've never heard of anybody dying on that route, actually, not in the last year or two. But on the other route, the hard route, I mean, that's where it's, you know, about three years ago, I would say it was about 10% fatalities. Right now, I'd say it's less than 1%. But about three years ago, it was epic. I mean, it was unbelievable how many people were dying. But there were fewer people coming in. It would be like two or 300 a day coming in. And you would hear about, you know, the flash flood, that, like one group that came in of 40 and literally 20 had been swept away. So, I mean, that's just, you know, that was par for the course back then. But now they've made the course easier. It's still difficult. Still people die every day. But the Chinese, on their route, they pay more. Now, muckraker.com people, Anthony Rubin and his brother Josh, they just went through Darien about um, a month ago. They got kidnapped two weeks ago, actually, in Mexico. They, they went through Darien, and they, they went, they, you know, I told you they went to Quito, Ecuador. They went with the Chinese hotels. They went with the Chinese through Darien, and they were with some Syrians as well and some Venezuelans and some Bangladeshis and some others. And they made it out. They made it to China camp. And then they flew up here to Guatemala with me. But they, but the bottom line is they took that easier route and it still took them about two and a half days. But the Chinese make it through with panache. The Chinese, as you see the Chinese coming across at Yuma or San Diego or whatever, you'll always see they look good. Because what the Chinese will do is they, they carry an extra set of clothes in their backpacks and they throw those other ones away. They put the new ones on. But they have money. They wire themselves money in advance and that sort of thing. And they have an ecosystem. So even if everything was lost, they come right into that Chinese ecosystem and they'll be squared away. They've got their own, what we call coyotes, they call them snakeheads. And so the snake, the system of snakeheads uh, all through Mexico and Mexico City and Tapachula and all these different places, it's just like an underground railroad just for the Chinese. So when they, let's, let's, I want to put this up on the screen here. Um, this, you sent me this video, this animation that uh, in, in Chinese, they're showing these uh, people. What, what is this? Walk us through what these what we're seeing here. You can see that's in Mandarin, and they they fly to Quito. It's just showing. Okay, you fly to Quito. What is you get it? on the bus? What, you what go is, to Columbia. What is it though? Where did you come across that? Like, where, where did you? What what is it? Oh, the Chinese share that on WeChat. So they've got all you know. They've got documents. They've got you know websites. They've got. They know how to, the Chinese, they're not like, the Haitians come in like helter-skelter, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they, they communicate with each other and, and that sort of thing, but they're not as organized as the Chinese. The Chinese are building the ant trail, you know, a proper, you know, this is where you get water, this is where, the Haitians just come in and kind of hit the jungle and live or die, and, you know, and, uh, and most of the people are like that. But some of the ones that are quite organized, like some of the Middle Easterners, they come through, they're quite organized. They come through in units, right? You see Afghans, I see Afghans come in every day. And for me, they're easy to spot because I spent two years running around Afghanistan. And often I'll talk with them. And a lot of the Afghans that come through speak English quite well, actually. And uh, so the Afghans will come through in groups, right? And they're almost all military-age males. So, so the Chinese, they just, they've got it down. And it's very smooth. For instance, one Chinese guy that landed in Quito, he went to the Darien, he, and then he was up in New York. And within about one week, he had a driver's license because we tracked him. Actually, wow. you know who should have one is Lawrence Sellum. Lawrence is a retired Army colonel. He tracks these guys like crazy. So Lawrence and I work together a lot. I'll, I'll supply him a lot of information, and he runs it down. The guy's amazing. Whether it's Texas and other parts, there's a big kayfabe. Kayfabe is that old wrestling term where it's just a fake fight. Like you'll see um, – 
Governor Abbott in Texas, Greg Abbott. He's a member of the World Economic Forum, right? And so you'll see him like you know, putting out the, the the concertina wire and saying, "Oh, you know, Biden's people are cutting the concertina wire. Oh, we're putting the rubber things in the river in the Rio Grande, and oh, they're removing those. It's all bullshit." Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, Abbott is one of them. His, his uh, one of the, uh, the the main developer of a, a illegal alien community north of Houston called Liberty. It's called it's in Liberty County. It's called Colony Ridge, right? And, and I and Ann Vandersteel, we took up a couple of congressmen and helicopters and some other Daily Wire and other people. We took uh, quite, a, quite a few people up looking at that down on the ground and up in it. This is a, this is a, a colony for more than 200,000 migrants, uh, mostly migrants, illegal aliens coming in. Not all, but I mean, but that's what it is. It's a colonia. For those who don't know what a colonia is, it means like colony or ghetto sort of thing, right? And that's what there's there's these colonias all over the Texas Mexico border. Michael, and the I've bottom line is, I've they, seen this one, and it is it is intense how large this place is, and the residents around it it haven't been able to do anything about it. I have a family member that lives just south of that, and they're uh, they're very concerned about what's happening. And these people are getting free housing, free development, free housing. I mean, everything's coming in. So that that's the question: Who is funding all of this? Trey Harris is the main developer and the owner there, Trey Harris. He gave $1.4 million to Abbott's campaign. Trey Harris, right? Just look up Trey Harris and $1.4 million, right? I mean, so this is obviously huge money plan. You know, uh, Todd Bensman, my friend, he's an author and a retired uh, Texas uh, Department of Public Safety guy. He was an Intel guy. We were briefing some Texans earlier this year, and uh, he's written a, a few books, and one of them is a great book called Overrun. And in the last chapter of Overrun, Todd talks about that colonia. And we got finished briefing those guys in Texas. Todd said, hey, let's go over and see this colonia because I hadn't seen it. And he said, uh, and basically, Todd wanted to take me out there because he knew what I would do with it. So we, we went out there to that colonia, and um, it was huge. And the drones weren't, couldn't fly high enough to see it. I said, let's go get a helicopter or go get an airplane. We went and got an airplane and came back that day, and we couldn't get high enough. So I said, let's go get a helicopter. And we, it was too late. So we came back later with a helicopter, right? And we're like, this is unbelievable. I mean, look at you got it from Google Earth. You look at it. But I wanted to see, I didn't want to do Google Earth. I want to get kind of lower and I want my own photos, right? And so we got up over there and then we came back later. Uh, actually, a, a patriot named Dave Cannon, we, he took up took us up in his helicopter, like, I don't know, probably 15 flights now. We took up Congressman Babin and Latrell and the sheriff and all, you know, bunch of journalists like Ann Vandersteel is part of the team. She's an integral part of the team, actually, not just an outlier. She's central to it. And we, and uh, uh, Doc Chambers, Pete Chambers, if you know him, uh, and we took a lot of people up. So then it went viral. That's why you see this all over the news now is because that's what we did. And then after that, we went down to SpaceX. We spent a couple of weeks down there with the, with the intent of trying to get Elon Musk to go to the border. And as you can see, he then went to the border, right? And by the way, our two guys that just got kidnapped two weeks ago, they got kidnapped just near SpaceX on the Mexican side. A lot of Americans don't realize that SpaceX at Boca Chica, I love that place. I've been there 30 or 40 times. But the, the, the Rio Grande River dumps very close to the launch pad. So when Starship just took off, I mean, there would have been, you know, scattering everything out there. I mean, nobody would have been allowed to be on the American side that close because it was incredibly dangerous. But on the Mexican side, just across from the river, our guys were coming up uh, at muckraker.com, you know, Anthony Rubin and Josh Rubin, and they got kidnapped. And so uh, this is like Tuesday, two weeks ago, right? 
And so the, the golf cartel picked them up. They could see the flashing light on top of the, the launch uh, gantry for Star, Starship was on it, right? It hadn't launched yet. It was on, up there for the second launch. It, it's now launched. And, um, and they got kidnapped. And so they got uh, blindfolded. They, they got their hands uh, bound. And, and the golf cartel guys uh, took them to a field. I was watching their icon go to a field, actually. And, uh, you know, I started contacting people and were watching their icon on the field like, uh-oh, you know, this is, could be serious. And the golf cartel guys, just keep in mind, in March of this year, golf cartel took four Americans, killed two of them, and one of them was the uh, one that survived was hiding under the body of one of his killed friends. And the golf cartel was like, ah, you killed Americans, right? It's okay to kill Mexicans or something, but not Americans because they have a relationship. The golf cartel, which has you know, been in existence for about 100 years at least, they, uh, they immediately apologized on the news to the families of the victims and to the United States government. So this was in like March of this year. So when Anthony and Josh just got kidnapped in like two weeks ago, uh, they, they, they took them to that field. They, they uh, uh, then took their blindfold up, watched them and smashed their camera gear and phones and did not, did not steal their stuff, just smashed it in front of them. And then delivered them to the border patrol at the Brownsville border crossing at the bridge. We watched their icon go to the bridge. You know, one of them had a, a small one, and uh, and uh, and then I called border patrol and said something like, you know, you happen to have two white guys that just got kidnapped, and actually they were right in front of me. Handed the phone to Josh, and they were okay. Anyway, uh, they they immediately got back into America and bought new camera gear, and they're ready to go back into action. But I mean, the bottom line is, this is the kind of collusion that's between. They literally dropped our guys off to the border patrol, you know, just near SpaceX. Let me get to something on this. That Colonia at Liberty County, north of Houston, by your relatives, it's right by the I-69 corridor, right? The I-69 corridor goes right down through, well, it will go through right past me here, down through Panama, down as, as the Chinese open up the Darien Gap with a railway and a, and a road. You know, uh, uh, you know, Panamanians say, oh, they can never put a road through the dairy. And I'm like, dude, they built a canal right across your country like more than a century ago. They can definitely build a road. In fact, they're building it right now. I'm down there all the time watching them build it. And so but they're building this corridor that goes right by that colonia, right by SpaceX, right by the harbor there, Brownsville and all that. goes right up to Detroit, the Great Lakes. It's called the I-69 corridor. All, you got to keep in mind the places that I go and, the, and the, where these weaponized migrations are occurring, this is all part of a hybrid war. This isn't just random stuff. This is a very serious war plan that's unfolding. Well, this, and this and so you see the golf cartel. The no, golf go cartel is in, is and and other Sinaloa and others. They they cooperate very. You go over to Yuma side. And you'll see if you're at Yuma where the fence kind of ends there for a little, and, you know, where there's a break in the fence. And, um, and you'll, if you just sit there and you'll see like three buses will show up and maybe an hour later, the exact number of aliens will come in to fill three buses, right? <laughs> they, they cooperate. They, and, and Todd Bensman broke this actually. He broke this, what, last year, I think, that they actually coordinate so that we don't get a bunch of aliens sitting on our side of the border very long which is bad optics for American media, right? So you're so what you're saying is this is this is not just immigration. Are are you saying you're saying this is this is a form of warfare and our government is part of it, participating. Our government is killing us. Our government is invading us. I know as crazy as that sounds, yeah. that is what's happening. Straight up. 
I mean, our government is clearly doing it. Our government down in Panama, as an example, our, our, our embassy is essentially worthless. They spend all their time doing the LGBT bullshit. That's what they do. They're doing the same thing in, in many countries, right? Uh, whether it's Thailand or Japan, they're just pushing their nonsense. Meanwhile, China is clearly taking Panama straight up. You see all these issues that are going, and the canal is actually going quite dry right now. And, you know, there's something going on. First of all, it's a dry year with El, it's actually a particularly dry El Nino. But they also built the other canal, which, which you know, drains a lot more water out of Gatun Lake. But there seems to be some other things going on, too. Not to go into that. But the bottom line is the canal itself, usually it's about, you know, what, 38 ships a day or so. I think it's down to about half that, or it will be down to about half that in February. But this dry season, like dry season is starting right now, right? And the lake is, when you go out on Gatun Lake, there's like tens of thousands of trees that are, haven't seen air for, you know, since about 1914, or very rarely. Because, you know, they, they opened the canal in 1914. So all these trees, these giant trees were underwater. And now you have to go very slow out there because, you know, you can get the bottom of your boat ripped out. But a lot of the trees are towering over your head now while you're on the, of course, the trees don't have any branches on them. They've been underwater for more than a century. But the lake is so low. And this is this will affect drinking water for Panama City and also salinity issues in the canal. Panama is going to, it will be taken. I don't see how they're going to get out of it at this point. You see the mining issues that are in the, um, that are in the news a, a, a lot like, you know, right now, the Supreme Court of Panama made a decision, what, 48 hours ago or so, about some, I won't go into the details, but the bottom line is, if we just skip past all the details and get to the bottom line, the United States is helping, helping with, you know, World Economic Forum and CCP take Panama. Now, sometimes I leave Panama and I fly over to Netherlands. For instance, in March this year, I was in Netherlands. And uh, for the elections, I left. I flew straight from Panama to Netherlands, actually for that interview with Jordan. Jordan asked me if I would go to, to Netherlands for an interview, and I said, I'm in Panama, pay my ticket, and I'll go. So I went over to, to uh, Netherlands, right? And so I was there for the – I often go to Netherlands now because it's another vital train. As I mentioned before, Panama is one of the most vital trains on planet Earth. There's almost nothing more important to the United States than Panama. And people just don't get it. Well, Another one that's very important doctrine. is and the is, Monroe Doctrine is very specific yeah. to protect this entire hemisphere, and and that's that yeah. should and, clearly uh, be yeah. some, a grounds for going to war is is over the Monroe Doctrine. Would you agree? I mean, Monroe yeah, Doctrine would not allow but, any any other the country invading anywhere in this in this hemisphere. We we are protected from foreign yeah. allies or foreign enemies. It's, the, uh, the opposite is going on now. We're literally inviting them in. And so literally, like helping China do things. For instance, now let's go over to Netherlands. Netherlands is very important because uh, uh, there's two incredible harbors that are there. Rotterdam is in Netherlands. It's the biggest harbor in Europe. It's at the mouth of the Rhine River, which is like their Mississippi, right? So there's Rotterdam, the biggest harbor in Europe. And the second largest harbor is Antwerp, which is just south of uh, Rotterdam, right? So those are the two biggest harbors in Europe, right? That's how important they are. There are these arteries right here. And those are going to be in the future, if this continues, in something called Tri-State City. It's a huge smart city, which is, they call it Tri-State, three-state city, because it's most of Netherlands, part of Belgium, and part of Germany. And it will include those two harbors. But it's a giant smart city. So all this replacement of the farmers and whatnot, that's to make tri-state city. So you see Afghan, the same ecosystem of people that are coming in 
here are going in there, like Afghans, Pakistan, all this power of Babel. These people won't be able to cooperate on a large level over there. And a lot of people think all the, all the Muslims will come in and gang up on us. They'll fight each other more than anything else. I mean, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll, even, even different tribes of Nigerians will fight each other, right? So it's not one of the, one of the uh, let's say, beauties, evil beauties of this plan is all these people that they're bringing in, they won't be able to cooperate with each other. Nobody will have critical mass. I mean, they might, you know, as individuals go out and shoot up a mall or a mosque, or I mean, or a mosque too. I mean, for those who were in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, you would see often, I mean, they spent more time killing each other than us, right? And so, I mean, but the bottom line is, these are replacement people. So the replacement for tri-state city is the same sort of ecosystem that's flooding across our borders with the Chinese kicker very hard across our borders. And again, keep in mind, China has already justified why to the Chinese, you know, that, that this is theirs. All of North America, Central America, where I'm at now, Guatemala. Uh, like right now, there's an archaeological dig down in Honduras next door where the Chinese archaeologists are trying to prove to the Mayan people that they're related to Mayans, right? So that the Chinese and the Mayans are related. And they're saying, well, these Spanish and these white people came and took your land. And, you know, it's the same thing they're saying to Native Americans up in the United States and down in South America, Panama, all these different places, right? And so they're using this as justification to literally take our countries, straight up genocide and, uh, and take them. So you're familiar, we've been emailing a little back and forth of the document um, that was leaked by the CCP, Chinese Minister Wei Feng. Basically, it's about their strategy to get rid of the people here on America using biological genetic weapons to get rid of the people here in America and then recolonize America with the Chinese. Are you familiar with that article or with that? Oh, yeah, I read it. Okay, so. I read it, and, and, and yeah, so quite long actually, and yeah, and they're 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 doing that. I mean, they're executing the mission right now. So, to the people here in Utah, that especially where our governor, you know, who is very much involved with World Economic Forum and pushing smart cities, uh, supposedly we we are actually slated to be have the first smart city in America right here in Utah, and it's called the Point, and we've got uh, Utah City in uh, uh, where is that? Vineyard. Uh, in Vineyard will be one of the second ones. Just to the south. So we, we're very, we've got a governor who's very embedded with the World Economic Forum, which is why they're pushing Utah as a, as a sanctuary state, saying we welcome everybody, opening our doors to, to people who are in, and allowing these criminals to be let free. So why should the people in Utah be concerned then about this? They're coming to kill you. They're not, they're not coming to take votes. A lot of people are like, hey, these guys are coming to bring Democrat votes. They don't care about that. This is way beyond that, right? This is a literal genocide unfolding. They're setting conditions for genocide. You know, people ask me all the time, what will the spark be? And I'm like, listen, sparks are amateur questions. It's about the conditions, right? When the forest is dry, any spark will do. There's always sparks. Every day there's sparks, you know, things happen. But if the conditions aren't right, it doesn't matter. You can have a 747 filled with gasoline crash in the Darien Gap in rainy season, and the only thing that's going to burn is that little smoking hole where it blew up, right? It's not going to burn the jungle down because the conditions aren't right for it. But now we have the United States. You see our economies collapsing. You see the hyperinflation is on the way. There's clearly going to be food shortages. You see uh, food is under attack. You see all these fires, uh, you know, unexplained fires. You see attacks on natural gas, which is very important for creating nitrogenous fertilizers using Haber-Bosch process, and, and you know, the, which you may have seen me talking about with Jordan Peterson before. And it's clear that we're, the, the food inflation around the world is clearly going up, up, up. Right. And and all these things cause that hop, that human osmotic pressure 
the human osmotic pressure is the push and the pull of migration. So as they open up these routes, for instance, the Darien Gap is getting easier and easier. The infrastructure is being built um, built out, whether that's the human infrastructure. On, there are camps being built all over. A lot of people don't get that. They, they think it's conspiracy theory. I'm like, listen, here's some conspiracy theory. Fly to Texas, go to Brownsville, go to the Walmart Supercenter, right by the Walmart, and try to go into that Walmart former Walmart super, super center. It's got like 1,500 boys in it right now. Who are those boys? I mean, we've been there. That's one of the child warehouses. These things are all over the place. What do you Have mean a, child warehouses? Uh, it's right there in Brownsville. It's, a, it's where these, who are the children there, right? We have, we have one uh, whistleblower. Oh, straight up. You yeah. can see the child trafficking is, is right in everybody's faces, right? Let's go to Brownsville. And there's many camps like this. Oh, yeah, it's right there. We'll give you the coordinates. We'll give you all kinds of information. I got enough to fill up a closet. In fact, we, you know, uh, we one of the whistleblowers gave us the addresses. I think it was eighty-seven hundred or eighty-three hundred, more than eight thousand uh, addresses where a lot of the children have been dropped off to. Wow. All over the United States, in every state—Utah, Florida, all over Florida—and they, they they'll they'll land, they'll take off out of like Harlingen Airport or McCown every single day, day and night. They're being escorted. To, to other airports around the United States are being delivered to people that are not their families, not their, you can uh, ask, I can introduce you to Carlos uh, Arielas. He's a whistleblower and he's public about it. I'll introduce you and to some others. Carlos, and and they can give you a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you offline okay. Okay. And, and I'll give you his phone number and I'll, and I'll call him up and tell him I introduced you. Thank and you. he has got tremendous amount of information. He's not the only one. And now, you know, he was working for them for years as an escort, escorting the children, two or three years, I think. And, uh, and uh, it might have been four. Anyway, you'll have to talk with him. In fact, I got a private investigator to fly down and properly interview him so that it was all legal and, you know, and alone and you're not being coerced and that sort of thing. And so we've got, you know, got all the statements down and that sort of thing. And, uh, and uh, Carlos has been very forthcoming. He said he was afraid for a long time to come forth. But his mother is a very Christian woman. And his mother is like, you've got to do the right thing. And then she gave him that courage. It was his mother that really gave he's, – he's lucky with his mother. And now he's come forward with all this stuff, and it's amazing. It's like uh, people should be in prison for it. The sheriff of that county and the police chief should be down there with their SWAT team. But they're not. You know, and uh, it's, it's – anyway, we've got so much information, it'll, it'll blow your mind. Michael. And yet nothing – and they're building – as we speak, they're building camps all over the place in Texas. Why, why, so we've got all these, we've talked about where these men are coming in, these children that are filling these areas, just, uh, I need to have a follow-up on this. Where are these children coming from? All over the place. And we don't know. I mean, we see them coming in and the Border Patrol, and there's a lot of patriots in Border Patrol, and there's a lot of other ones that are just doing their job, sir. You know, and they're just literally, you'll often hear, like if you go down on the border, you're going to hear Border Patrol often say to you, well, soon we'll have a new administration and things will change but they keep loading the buses loading the buses just right obeying orders. And, and and i'm just doing my job sir following orders right i'm like this is illegal what? you're invading your own country you're not going to get a retirement they're going to kill you what, what do you say to these officers these these you know whether it's police officers or, or military uh you know they, they're they're told to i mean these young men are coming in they're they're trying to do the right thing follow orders follow you know they're, they're coming to serve the country and what, what, what do you say to them? What, what, what? 
you know, as a student of war who's, you know, I used to live in Germany, you know, I speak German. I've been to a lot of death camps in Poland and Germany. And you often would wonder, like, how did the Germans ever fall for that? Because clearly not all of the Germans were that like that that way. And suddenly they're like, you know, they got the big eyes, you know, and they're in the cult. And now I see it in real time unfolding across Europe and the United States and Japan and people. It's a cult. One of the things I found, you can, you, you'll never go wrong in studying cults. I would recommend that everybody study cults. You'll never see the cult that you're in, right? I started studying cults when I was actually in special forces. Some of the older guys were like, older guys, they'd be like you know, 35 or 40. To me, that was old. Then. You know, they, they would be like, you know, uh, they would be, uh, you know, you need to study world religions. I'm like, study world religions? I want to study explosives. You know what I mean? I wanna, you know what I mean? I'm here to fight. And, uh, but they're like, you know, you're, you're in special forces. You're not, if you want to do that, go to Rangers. Right. So, and, uh, but so I, that actually got me quite interested in, um, in those sorts of things. So later after the army, I actually, I started studying cults more. I infiltrated one and lived with one. I learned a lot about cults and, and about how people get into cults and you'll never go wrong with doing that. How's the, military, uh, the only cult how's that a cult for the military though, for, the, for these, uh, you know, young men they're trying to do serve their country. Uh, well, I mean, there's different layers of the cult, like this cult that I infiltrated. They categorize their members of the cult as inner circle, um, outer circle, and periphery, right? And there was like the core of the people. That was the leadership. And then the inner circle, and then the outer circle, and the periphery. And a lot of people, they might just be the periphery, but they're, they're support base, right? Uh, or they're just doing their job. They're, uh, they're just doing, they're not really maybe a Nazi, but they're doing the Nazis work. Right. I mean, the bottom line is if you're loading those buses and you're running those camps right now, you're doing exactly what those young Nazi soldiers did who later were, you know, on trial. And they're like, well, I mean, I had to follow orders. Right. <laughs> I mean, I had to get my paycheck. I saw something today that, uh, that leads into that. There's, there's two types of disclosure or information warfare, if you will. There's the slow drip or the controlled disclosure where they have it over 10, 15, 20 years, 100 years. They've been working on some of these things. And then there's catastrophic disclosure where it's all at once, you know. So all of a sudden, we don't believe in aliens, and now we do. Um, okay, we're not at war now. We're at war. But a lot of these things like taking the, you know, people out of their family, LGBTQ stuff, and uh, trafficking children and people coming across the border, it's a slow acceptance of these things until, you know, like, like the frog boiling. All of a sudden, you've got that frog in the water now that's heated up, and now you're done. Okay, so at what point do we hit this catastrophic point? Because we've been at a slow drip, I mean, for a long time, and especially since Biden's been in, and uh, trying to figure out what, what, what this is all about. We, we know what it's about. But the American people, like you said, are so asleep. And how did Nazi Germany fall into that? Well, it's the exact same thing. It's a slow drip until it becomes catastrophic, and then everybody's in, and they all believe it. Yeah, nothing's new under the sun. I mean, I read that book, Nazi Doctors, when it came out in about the 90s, right? And now you see that's actually what has unfolded again. We saw the weaponization of the medical community, right? Uh, you know, clearly putting people to death, basically, with some of the things that they were doing to them, right? And with the death jabs and everything else. I mean, clearly committing genocide, right? And that's actually, back in Nazi times, they, they were that frog, right? You know, they, the, a lot of the nurses, they didn't want to kill the baby, so they would just leave them out to get hypothermia and that sort of thing. They let Mother Nature do it. I mean, 
you just can't make up this stuff. But humans will do that. I mean, you can just, you'll, you know, the people that know how to create cults, of which there are many, it's a, it's a type of art, actually. And uh, there's, we're surrounded by cults. They're all over the place. I mean, and, and, and again, the only cult you'll never see is the cult you're in. That's one of the things I learned about cults. And, 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 and for instance, you know, the suicide bombers, uh, you know, of which, you know, I've seen quite a few attacks by suicide bombers and, and right up close. And those guys are stri- one guy, he lives in, near San Diego now. He's an Afghan. He was almost a suicide bomber. Right. And he was, he was studying his, he actually, I can introduce you to him you can interview him. His English is very good. I got to know him in Afghanistan. He came up to me one day that was out near the Iranian border down in, um, down in, uh, anyway, it, 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 we were out, it, it, we weren't with any soldiers. I was with a uh, former Marine named Tim, Tim Lynch. And this guy, we were just out running around with these Baluch people. And, he, and he, this guy kept watching me day after day. I'm like, hey, man, why do you keep watching me? He goes, you know, you saved my life. He said that to me. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, his English is very good. He goes, you know, I was going to wear the bomb. I was like, okay. And, uh, and he said he'd watched those videos over in Iraq of Blackwater, you know, doing the things or whatever and he goes that was iraq but he's he's an afghan he's about actually a budge and he's uh and he's like you know i was gonna uh, i was gonna attack right and he said he was starting to do his homework gathering intel basically he started reading my work and he started to realize that we didn't all hate them right and and uh and he decided not to wear the bomb so anyway we've become friends actually now he's literally got a u.s passport and lives in california and so he'll tell you the story. He'll come on and say, so, but he was going down that route and uh, somehow he got jerked out of it before he detonated. But anyway, you know, I think um, we talk about warfare, which we are in war right now. And I think to me, and, yeah. and we've talked about this before the show is the tip of the spear in warfare is, is information warfare. And we are losing it in, in the West. We are losing it in this country. It's clear because the masses have no idea that anything's going on. They sense there's problems at the border. They sense there's there's obviously problems with our economy. There's obviously problems with the, the with the with the country being at war with each other. But they can't put it together. You know, they sense something's wrong with with what they're saying with the mask. It doesn't add up. But we are so you know the, the child trafficking you talked about. But we are. But the media has been captured. Uh, the narrative is captured. You know, we, the propaganda machine is so effective in this country that the masses are just walking around like like sleeping zombies, um, <clears throat> which is yeah. why we are so invested. My wife and we're the people, and all, Chelsea and, and all the you know those who are part of this, we're so invested in fighting back with information, which is why we have you on here, which is why we're trying to break through the culture here in Utah and wake people up. Talk to us about information warfare. Talk to us about why that's important. What are you seeing? Uh, what does information warfare mean to you? Information war is clearly the highest form of warfare. Uh, and, you know, again, everything is subordinate to that. And uh, actually, I'm going to have to go soon because ah. I've uh, got and, – and, but I still got a couple minutes, but I just want to – because I have to wrap – unfortunately, I have those tech problems getting started. So, and But we can do it again soon when I'm in Honduras if you'd like. And Excellent. this time – Unfortunately, I had to move places, and we didn't, we couldn't get the tech working. But, but information war is uh, is the highest form of warfare. And again, that's why I studied cults. That's why I spent so much time running around the world and going with different cultures and watching how information flows and that sort of thing. But now, information war has been it's it's at an entirely new level, right? Uh, it's the same techniques, it's the same persuasion techniques, and that sort of thing 
but it, it's been brought up to an industrial scale with these phones that we're on and gathering data about us, micro-targeting and, and knowing where we're at at all times and that sort of thing. Uh, we're in for a big time. Keep in mind, these people that are invading across the borders, uh, they will, they're easily tracked and they're easily instructed through their phones. They can easily be, uh, they can, you know, the, 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 the masters that be can say, hey, you know, we've got these Somalis and, hey, there's a house right in front of you. Take that house. It's yours. You know, basically, Stalin did that with the kulaks. They didn't have cell phones back then. But, I mean, he was the same way. He was like, you know, hey, these kulaks are the ones taking all your wealth and just go take their farms. It's yours. Take it. Nobody's going to do anything. And that's what happened. Huge numbers of Ukrainians were killed. And Mao did that over. Of course, Mao learned a lot from Stalin. Did similar in China. Uh, Pol Pot. This is a long history of people doing this, saying those are the bad guys. Those are the Jews. Go smoke the Jews. Take their businesses. Take their farms. Take their whatever. Right. And it happens because now you're 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 they'll first of all create hatred against you, mark you, identify you. And also kick in the greed button, like, and you can keep their stuff, right? I mean, you're r really, you know, hitting them with a, a big cocktail of, of motivation, right? Hatred, opportunity, uh, and also you'll be rewarded for it emotionally. Like, hey, you're a champion, you're a soldier. Which is why they're and, pushing uh, the and victim. You can, and you can keep their farm. Which is why they're pushing the whole victim mentality here in America. Yeah. Is that the whites, the whites are responsible for everything, they're guilty. It's they, they're the decolonization you know they were. You know they've taken yep. everyone's land, and and it's yours to take back when the time comes, huh? Yes, sir. I got to punch out yeah. now. Uh, uh, sorry. Hey, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you for the work you're doing, and thank you thank for you. Uh, taking some time to to talk to Utah. We appreciate you. We appreciate what a great patriot you are, and we hope to have you back. Thank you, Michael. If y'all want to come down here, come on down. And I'm serious about that. I'll take you down. We uh, so uh, we 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 were actually. I'm in. We're in. <laughs> He's in now. Too. Okay, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it in about 48 hours and we'll start talking details. Awesome. Right? God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your service. God bless y'all. Take care. Bye bye. Well, folks, uh, Tom, uh, what uh, closing thoughts do you have? Well, I think he's uh, a treasure trove of information. My goodness, that guy right there, having somebody that's dedicated their, their life to this, at least the last 20 plus years of, uh, you know, journalism and not just journalism, but really, I mean, doing what journalists should do instead of taking some uh, propaganda that's been given to them from their overlords and, and pushing it over with a narrative. And they know that's what it is. Journalism is dead in America. That guy right there, he's a hero. And uh, I can't say enough about what he, I wish we had more information that he has that's within his head to the American people, which is why we're trying to do what we're doing. And, you know, doing these shows, it, it really, it, 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 it brings me to a sense of um, the awful situation that we're in right now and, uh, and, and how little that, uh, you know, each person, if, if every person does just a little bit, how much that adds up, right? How little I can do, but if someone does what I do and what you do and we start, you know, what's the two, 3% of the uh, engaged people to start a brush fire can, can change a nation. Look what happened during the riots of, uh, you know, 20, whatever that was, and they were burning down cities and look what the narrative was. Look what people started to follow and believe. All you got to do is get people, you know, engaged in the, in the work of, of finding what's happening. And, and guys, they're, they're coming to our places here. I, I asked them, uh, you know, I wrote a note here, you know, where are they staying and who is funding this? They're staying in our towns. They're staying in our cities. They're staying in, in, in farms. He said they were moving to a, a, a um, what was that, a, a marijuana farm in Oklahoma that's run by the CCP. So that's why we can't have the Chinese owning ground 
in America, especially in Utah. Well, especially again, that's why it's a problem. And when, and when you and now when you take a step back and you read that AP article about China having more influence in the state of Utah than any other state, and you and you recognize we are under a Chinese invasion, to think that these people are not in our backyard is ignorance. They're going to wake up one day, and it's going to be too late. And and, and, and when they say it's in, you know, one of the articles that just came out, we don't have time to talk to, to about it, is this uh, situation report. Iranian-backed hacker group infiltrates U.S. water system. Uh, an Iranian hacking group targeted the water system of a small Pennsylvania town over the Thanksgiving weekend in what may have been a test case targeting widely used individual control systems. You know, this stuff is coming. And, you know... Th- one of the reasons we started the show is when we were running against John Curtis and against some of these, you know, established corrupt cocks and all these politicians here in Utah that are clearly establishment, the media protects them. And we realize how do you, how can we wake the people up and bring these people down if the media is, is propping them up? Envision Utah. The media is part of, you know, Envision Utah. And, that's why we started this. You know, we didn't start this as, hey, what? Let's have a fun idea. Let's go. You know, no, we started this because it's as, uh, because it's necessary. Because we cannot rely on the mainstream media to talk about what Michael Yon has just talked about. Or he just said, information is the most important part of warfare currently, always has been. So you know, we get a lot of comments, especially on our Instagram page, uh, about people when we post stuff like this. Well, what can I do? What do we do? How do we do something? The answer is get involved at the, at the tip of the spear, which is information warfare. You know, we're doing one, one little thing what we can do is, is, is trying to interview, trying to shine the spotlight on Utah, exposing why people are saying this is one of the most corrupt states in the country. So, but the key is we're trying to get that out to you. But don't underestimate your importance in this fight. You know, I would, I would say, Jason, too, like you got to go to local level again. Do what you know. Start with your, start with your family. Start with your neighbors. Start with your friends. Start with your city council. You know, go to the meetings. Get involved in little things. And when you see something that's not right, let's do something about it. Let's fight for freedom. And share. Whether I don't care if you share this or not, but whether you share this information or you're just talking to your, you know, get educated and educate your neighbors. Educate your family. Educate your friends. <clears throat> if everybody would simply educate two or three people around them and wake two or three people up, share this Michael Yon video about what's actually happening, that this is an invasion, that while we've got Governor Cox here thinking, oh, we're just a big welcoming state, putting on the front, disagree better, at, you know, the big beta male yeah. that he is, trying yeah. to pretend like he's just a good, friendly guy. No, he is, a, he is an enemy of the state. He is a traitor of this country. And we cannot rely on the media <clears throat> to fix this or our politicians. They, are, they work for us. And it is our responsibility when they when they transgress when they when they break the law of the Constitution. It is your responsibility to hold them accountable, not not the politicians. And right. the problem is nobody's holding these guys accountable. That's on you. That's on us. Yeah. Well, we we get what we voted for, and we're, <laughs> or, we're or or in the case of Utah, where our elections are rated in the bottom of the country. <laughs> we get what the system puts in place. Yep. So we, we have, and, and I'm going to tell you, not all of your reps are corrupted. I promise you that. But a lot of them are, are believe the lie that's passed down. And it is you putting pressure on your reps, telling them, hey, why are we using ranked choicing? Why are we using universal uh, mail-in voting? Why do we use uh, uh, ERIC? Why are we using Dominion? Why are we using every system that has been identified for fraud? Why do we use every single one of them in Utah? Well, and you realize that when, you know, and everyone says, well, what's Utah? Utah's only got three and a half million population out of 350. Well, one state can set an example. 
right? And, and understanding what we know in this state being the birthplace for a lot of this stuff, that's why Utah matters. Because if they don't start it here, it's not going to start anywhere. Or at least it'll be pushed down the road a little bit and we can, we can try to stop it then. Well, and we will. But, you know, one, one thing real quick on, on COVID, why are people now going back to sleep? COVID woke a lot of people up, in my opinion. And now they're going back to sleep saying, hey, you know what? The world's going back to normal when, in fact, it couldn't be more on fire. It's just not out in front of your face. Wake up. Well, Tom, I appreciate you. And uh, we appreciate our listeners. I appreciate you guys. Um, Honestly, we have have the greatest patriots in this state, and I mean it. We have the greatest patriots in this state. That is you guys. That is those who are watching this. Um, Thank you. And, and uh, you matter, you, you, and, and your fight matters. Dig in, figure out, you know, and, and to me, how, how do you, what should you do? That's between you and God. You were sent here for this time. We were sent here for this time, and we were not sent to sit on the sidelines. So get right with God, figure out what your role is in this fight, and let's, let's give him hell. Let's freaking win. That's why we're here. So anyways, you're the man. Thank you for being here. Thanks again to uh, Michael Yon. I mean, this has been amazing. We're, we will continue to try to get great, great people on to help you wake up your neighbors because this is Ground Zero, like Tom said, and we will win. We're not sent to lose. We're going to win it. So anyways, God bless you guys. God bless America. God bless Utah.